Welcome to church. We finished our series on staying positive, and it was, it was fun looking at all the different reasons why we should stay positive in all the different areas that we, all the times in life we need to stay positive and how God helps us, right? And so this month we're going to be looking at James, and I'm really excited about this. I enjoy the book of James a lot. I, I say that, um, you know, different things are my favorite. And as I was reading it, I don't know, maybe James is my favorite too now. So that's like all of them are my favorite. But we're going to be looking at James, and the series is called Faith with Feet. And so if you've read the book of James, which probably many of you have, you know James talks a lot about faith and talks a lot about works, right? Doing your faith, like living out your faith through your life and what that means instead of just having faith, right? And a lot of us... um, especially being Pentecostals, right? We have a lot of faith. We have a lot of uh, believing in the Spirit and moving and healings and things like that, right? But it's important that we look at James and recognize that faith needs to have the works part too, right? We we need to act. We need to do things. And so it being June, it is the sixth month, right? It is halfway through the year. And so I've been the pastor here for now six months, halfway through a year. Half, Half birthday. There you go. And so we started off this year here at New Beginnings talking about what it means to be the church, and we studied uh, We Are the Church, and we, we studied the book I Am a Church Member. And um, I'm sure many of you remember this book. I really enjoyed it. I know a lot of you guys really enjoyed it as we went through it. But in December, when I was praying and asking God what to, what to do for this year, right, um, brand new year for for me as a pastor here, brand new for you guys having, you know, my family here and what's going on. So God was really telling me that it's important that we kind of start with the basics as, as Robin and I are getting to know you and you are getting to know us and what that means and how we can grow together as, as the body of Christ being connected. And so that's why we, we looked at the we are the church series, and we looked at this book, I Am a Church Member. And so, over the past six months, I have been asked multiple times if the honeymoon was over, okay? And so, um, with that, I want to say thank you, because from talking to a lot of other pastors, it is clear that a lot of congregations have they have a lot of strife and a lot of problems with their pastor. But here, I have felt nothing but acceptance, and people have been excited, and we've been growing together, and I feel like God established that, and He, he helped us, you know, start this journey off together instead of, you know, my way and your way and, you know, where there's conflict, um, which happens a whole lot in the church. So I want to say thank you that I haven't been able to say, well, yeah, the honeymoon period's over. So-and-so is, you know, complaining about this. So-and-so is complaining about that because we're connected in unity. So thank you, everybody who's here. Um, and so we, we started talking about Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 was the very first message I spoke about this year. And and it says, remember not the former things, nor consider the, the, the things of old. This is a weird translation. But behold, I am doing a new thing. Now, now it springs forth. Do you 
not perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so I feel like I believe that over the past six months, we've been growing in this idea of the past, but the future is changing. The future is different, right? Things, things have been changing. Things have been different. And we've all been kind of going together. And that's why I think starting with this book was, was very helpful for all of us, right? Because it helped me. It helped you um, look at what it means to really, to really know what happened in the past, right? We, we, we see what happened in the past, and some of it's good, some of it's not, but that doesn't matter because we're praising God for the past, and we're looking for the future because He is making streams in the wilderness. And I believe this month, right, so James talks a lot about faith and action, right? And so I believe James kind of is the, the compilation or compilation of what we've been talking about for the past six months. And so that's why I wanted to look at James this month, and that's why I believe that God has given us the, uh, given me the desire and the goal of doing the homecoming service later on this month, and what that means and how that relates to what we've been talking about for the past six months and James moving forward, because I believe this month is the month that we will more easily find those streams in the wilderness, see through the desert and see through the, the things that, that may not have been the greatest. And so the homecoming service, I know I've shared with many of you what the homecoming service is supposed to be, but it's supposed to be a time of healing for everyone. Whatever it may be, you have may have been hurt in the past or whatever it may be. And the goal is to encourage people who may have left to come back and, and, and we can build relationships or rebuild relationships and make sure that there's no, no hurt and no um, disconnect within the church, right? Because whether you go to this church or a different church, we're all the body of Christ, right? And so one day we'll all be in heaven together. And so if you can't sit next to that guy because he goes to a different church, how are you going to live forever next to that guy worshiping God in heaven, right? Because what matters is Jesus, not, you know, well, you know, their opinion is this, my opinion is that. And that kind of brings me back to this book, right? The I Am a Church Member. And so it started off with, with the story of the two church, church members, right? Uh, Michael and Liam, right? Do you guys remember the story of Michael and Liam? So Michael and Liam were two men who went to the same church, and they were uh, their dads and husbands, and they, they were friends and grew together, and the families knew each other, and it was going well, and they started serving and volunteering in the church. But then shortly after, Michael, um, yeah, Michael started to kind of drift away. Michael and his family, and right? And so, so they're getting together, Michael and, and Liam, and they're hanging out because they're friends. And so, so they, he brings it up. How come you're like, you know, what's going on? And so, so the idea that uh, Liam says, we are really two different types of church members because he says, uh, Liam says, you know, I really like you and your kids and your wife, but you seem enthused about the church. You keep serving and contributing. Don't take, don't take me wrong, 
But I wonder at times if you are blind to all the problems in the church. And we all know there's problems in church, right? Because we're all human, we all struggle. But that's why I wanted to say thank you, because I, f- I have felt like there hasn't been uh, getting away from that honeymoon period, as, as other pastors have called it. And there has not been those kind of problems. But I know in all churches, with all people, there are problems, right? And so in this story, one family left the church and the other one stayed, and there was that conflict, right? And so, and I know in this church, things like that have happened, just like all churches, right? People leave, people um, disagree, but then he goes on to say that the church will become healthier because one of its members is healthier. And as the church gets healthier, it will be greater, it will have a greater impact on its community and the world. And so that's what we started this year off with, right? As, as one, one person in the church becomes healthier, the whole church becomes healthier. And as the whole church becomes healthier, our, our impact becomes greater and we get to share the gospel more because that's our goal, right? Our goal is to share the gospel, to help, help people come to church and be blessed and, and, and become free from their, their problems that, that have held them, that the pain from the past, have that forgiveness from the Holy Spirit and from Jesus, right? So when one person becomes healthier in a church, the whole church becomes healthier. And so that's the goal of the homecoming service. The homecoming service is to help not just one, but all of us become healthier as the church body, right? As, as members of the church. And I've, I've said before that even if no one else besides everybody who's normally here comes, I think there can be a great letting go, a great step forward in becoming healthier, right? Because we can all grow, we can all change, no matter if you've been a Christian for a day or you've been a Christian for 120 years. I don't think anybody's 120 yet, so I, I think <clears throat> I'm safe in saying that. We can all learn and we can all grow. And, you know, in my life, and I'm sure in your life, people have said things and people have done things, whether it was in the church or out of the church, that have hurt you, right? And sometimes they'll stay with you, even for a long time. And, and it's, it's easy to, to let those things kind of infiltrate, right? And later on in this book, he talks about that, right? He talks about how somebody in the church, or well, it was somebody in his school had hurt him, and it was affecting his prayer life, right? He was a Christian. He was a believer. He, he believed in faith and prayer and, and forgiveness, but he had that deep down hurt, and sometimes that hurt can stifle our connection with God, right? It can hinder our, our ability to serve Him and to honor Him with our lives. I like the, the song that we were singing, right? You know, all I am, everything, you know, is for Him. And so that leads me to today. So this month, we're going to be talking about James, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the different chapters of James. So today is chapter one of James. So if you want to turn to chapter one of James, we will get started talking about James and how that relates to us today. James is a fun, exciting book. All right, so James 1, verse 1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Now I'm going to stop there real quick and give you a little background on James. So James, we know, uh, it is 
normally believed that this is the James, the brother of Jesus. And so, uh, James was, he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So, he was a pretty influential leader in the church at this time. And so, he says, he's addressing this book to the 12 tribes who are scattered among the nations. And so, um, after looking at it, we know that at the time there was a lot of persecution, there was a lot of things going on. The Romans did not really like Christians, they were having problems. So, people at this time were not, the, the Christians were not staying in Jerusalem, which Jerusalem was still like the biggest church, and, you know, James was the, the, the pastor of that church, but people were scattered. And it doesn't really matter the reason whether it was they were called by God, because we know there were a lot of them that felt a call to, to go and make, right? You know, Jesus said, go and make disciples, you know, go and preach. So, a lot of them went places because they felt a call from God to do that, the Great Commission, right? But also, there was a lot who moved away to try to find safe places where they could live away from persecution. But whatever the reason might be, He's including all people, right? So, the nations who are scattered among the, among the nations, that would include us, right? And I, I felt like as I was reading this, this church, um, after talking with many people and finding out more about the history of this church and what, what has happened, I'm so excited to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. But there clearly has been a scattering, whether it was people who, who you know, were here and, and they left for good reasons or bad reasons, whatever the case may be, there was a scattering. And so, we can connect a lot with who James is talking to here at New Beginnings because whether it was, you know, people were called away to go minister at a different place and that people went away to a different church and they're ministering there, great. But also, there's a scattering, so there's not as much of that connection, right? And so, that could be a hurt that we may have, that you may have experienced. So he's addressing those believers, and that's why I believe James, what he's saying affects us in this church a whole lot too, because there has been a scattering, but we must reach out to those who have been scattered, to those who are far away, right? Because it's important that we, that we look to growing as believers, right? Like, like James, we, 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 help, we, we can help in doing this. We can help ourselves grow in faith and, 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 and our belief, and we can also help others grow in their faith and their belief because faith, we know, brings perseverance, right? And so, last month, we talked about staying positive through some of those difficult things, and we know that James starts off talking a lot about trials, but so that's where I'm going to start, right? So let's look back at James. So the first thing is, the first part of James is talking about trials and tribulations. And so let's look back at James verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when 
He asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded, unstable man in all he does. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that, that, that we get to learn from you, Lord God. We thank you for James, and we thank you that the, the book of James helps us learn and grow spiritually, Father God. Give us open hearts, open minds, Father God, to receive your word, to receive your revelation, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Father God, give us wisdom and understanding, Lord God. Just like James says, we ask for wisdom because wisdom is so important in our lives in all that we do, Father God, give us that wisdom so that we can best serve you in all that we do, Lord God. We thank you and praise you because you are great and you are mighty, Lord God. You are the God of healing, the God of restoration, the God of peace, the God, of that, the God we have faith in. We praise you and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So James, he's encouraging us to have joy through troubles. Or trials, right? And so the word, the word here that is translated into trials is also translated into testing and is also translated into temptations or trials. And so I'm probably going to be using all of those words interchangeably because essentially James is talking about that. He's not just talking about like um, we, we look at a trial often as a physical thing that's happening, but but he's also talking about temptations and testings, right? And so the joy, obviously we looked at last month, staying positive. And so that was that joy and that peace in those kind of situations, right? But, but we know that is not the easiest thing, right? When, when, when we're sick, when life is not going as, as well as it should be. And we know that James was talking to people who were experiencing a lot of persecution, so whether they were scattered because of persecution, because of, because of disputes, or whatever the case may be, they were scattered, right? And so there was a difficult situation in all of their lives. And so James is encouraging them to have that joy because when they have joy and faith through the hard times and through those trials and tribulations and testings, it develops perseverance. And we, we looked at that last month, too, that perseverance helps us to get through those things, right? Perseverance will finish its work if we are willing to keep the faith through those times of testing and trial, right? Because it's easy to, to, to get through it for a while, but then lose heart and fall to the, the trials and the temptations and the, and the testings. But... James is encouraging them, stay the course, because when you stay the course, it will grow your perseverance, and it will finish the work, lacking nothing. Throughout the life of the church, there have been so many, right, trials and testings, and it's, it's, it's easy to see that whether it was a different church many years ago or this church, right, there have been difficult situations. There have been tests and trials and tribulations and you know, and that's part of the reason why people have left, right? And so we, we know that, you know, when those hard times come, whether whatever the case may be, whatever the reason those hard times come, people were scattered, right? And it doesn't just, 
not just this church, all churches, right? The, the amount, the percentage of people not in church currently is, I think it's about 20% less than it was about 10 or 15 years ago. Like, it's kind of insane, the amount of people who are leaving the church. And most of it is because of things like this, where people's opinions and their preferences are not the focus. It's like, well, you're not doing it the way I want to do it, or you said something that offended me, so I'm leaving. I'm out. You know, and they just leave. But God is the God of forgiveness. God is the God of unity. He wants us to come together. He wants us to say like, well, you know, what, well, what, what you said did kind of bother me. Let's sit down and talk about it, and we can, reach, we can reach a mutual forgiveness, and we can reach a mutual understanding so that we can both move forward in our faith because it's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. So the church had been scattered, and I feel like there's been a scattering in this church. And so James, James continues, and he says that the work of faith, um, it'll make you mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so I wanted to stop there for, for a second, because lacking, not lacking anything, I believe, can be misunderstood sometimes. And, and James is not talking about physically lacking anything. And so, yes, I believe God provides for us. He takes care of us physically, um, housing, money, things like that, food. But James, he, the very next verse, he talks about, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. And so, after looking into it and studying it, James is actually talking about what it means to be a living sacrifice. And so, James is saying you'll lack nothing as a perfect sacrifice for the Lord. So, I thought that was really interesting, and that's why he, he goes on to say that if you, if you lack wisdom, ask God and He'll give it to you, because God wants us to be a perfect, pleasing sacrifice to Him, right? We're supposed to be holy and living sacrifices unto God. And so, that's why as we stay, stay the course, right? And I know the people who are currently here, you may have experienced those testing and those trials, and you're still here, so you've stayed the course with this church. And, and I'm not saying that if somebody left here and went to a different church, they're wrong or they're right or whatever the case may be, but I'm saying there may be hurt, right? And so just like the, the church who was scattered at the time, they may not have left because it was, well, you know, they were just offended, but they may have left because they felt like God was calling them somewhere else. But that can also leave hurt, right? That can also leave a pain that might need to get past. So the testing and the trials help to purify us, right? Just like gold, we, we, we talk about gold being purified by fire, and, and so our lives. So James is talking about those trials and those testings and those tribulations help you to lack nothing. And, and if, you're, if you have gotten there and you're like, wow, you know, God has burned away some of the some of the pain and some of the suffering, you need wisdom too, because sometimes we can, the ones who have stayed the course and stayed true and stayed persevering through the trial and didn't, didn't turn away or didn't go away, didn't get scattered, sometimes we can have a, well, see, you did it, but I'm still here. You know, sometimes we can get haughty, but that wisdom helps us. That wisdom helps us to know what to say and how to say it. 
so that we can continue in that unity instead of, well, see, we're better than you because of whatever reason, whether that's real thoughts or in the back of your mind or whatever. Does that make sense? Wisdom helps us, right? The wisdom from God helps us to really care for people in a way that is not one better than the other. So that's what James talks about that. And James, James really understands that we must be, you know, fully rely on Him, fully surrendered, right? All of us is for Him, but we need to have that wisdom and not just, not just looking at, well, see, I gave all myself to Him, but so-and-so, they're still doing whatever, and why didn't they do whatever? You know, that, that measuring stick of like, well, I'm spiritually here, but they're spiritually here, so, you know, why aren't they where I am? You know, we, we all need to have that wisdom so we can have love for other people, wherever they may be in their, in their walk of faith. And then he goes on to say that, that if, if you are not staying the course and you've not had that wisdom, right, you're like, you become like a wave blown and tossed around, right, by the wind, and so wisdom helps us. Wisdom is what, what keeps us steady, right? We, we've all been, you know, to a beach or to a lake, and we've seen the waves bouncing around. They kind of go wherever, right? If you're standing for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Alexander Hamilton, you know, the last week I had a lot of quotes, and so Alexander Hamilton understood that too. If we're not, if we're not standing firm in, in, in our faith and understanding with wisdom from God, we'll be blown and tossed and move about with no real direction. And then so, this section, James kind of finishes with, with a warning because he says, don't be double-minded. Want, and what he means is don't be a person who wants that wisdom and then doesn't ask for it or wants that wisdom but doesn't live in the faith that God will give it. Because if we, if we, if we say, yes, we want the wisdom or yes, we want forgiveness or yes, we want the church to grow, but we don't really walk in the faith believing that it's really going to happen. He says you're like a double-minded man, you know, unsuitable in all he does. We don't want to be unsuitable in what we do, right? We want to have that faith and that wisdom and that understanding, that perseverance through the times that are, that are dark and cloudy like it's becoming outside, right? Those, those, those stormy times in our lives. Augustine, St. Augustine, uh, said, faith is to believe what you do not see. Okay, that's very much like Hebrews, but then he says the reward of, your, of this faith is to see what you believe. Who wants to see what we've been believing? And I know I've, I, I've, I've, I've been told um, that when this church was built, was it about 13 years ago, 13 years ago now, there was a phase two I was told there was a phase two building and that, that the idea was when, when we grow and outgrow this section, there was going to be a phase two. And I heard that in January when I first got here, that the hope is that one day we'll, we'll grow so big that we'll have to build that phase two. And it's been 13 years. That's been a long time of, of not really going the plan, right? Not really going the way you were hoping. But if you keep that faith... The reward for faith is seeing what you've believed. It may have been a long time, but you'll see it. Let's, let's continue back in James. So skip down a little bit 
to James 12. And so this is, he, he continues on his uh, idea of faith and perseverance, and he says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trials. So this is what he's been talking about the whole time. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When temptation when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, he, when his own desires, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is con- conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, come, coming down from the, heaven, from the Father in the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. And so he continues on his idea of, of persevering through the trials, right? And, and at this time, clearly James is talking to some people that, that God has given them these trials. God is, is, is making hardships. And I know that's a, that's a theme that has kind of infiltrated the church in James' time and it is still in the church, right? Well, you know, because you, you, look at, you look at the Bible and you're like, well, you know, it says that, that well, okay, so if, if trials, through, you know, faith through trials produces perseverance, so God wants me to persevere. He wants to grow my faith, so he gives, He's giving me these trials and these tribulations, but He's not. Good and perfect gifts are from God, not the hardships. And so it's interesting that we, you know, God is in the, he, he's, he's in the giving business. He doesn't want to give you hard times. He doesn't want to give you difficult situations. He hasn't, he hasn't ordained this church to go through a hard time, it happened because of the, the evil that has enticed certain people, right? And that's why the, the devil loves when there's disunity. The devil loves to get in. He, he, he loves to have people argue, you know, oh, people don't like my shirt, so, oh, you know what, his shirt looks dumb. Let's, let's think about that shirt and make, get mad about that shirt. You know, the devil loves things like that. Because this world is dark, this world is evil. But James says, blessed is the man who perseveres under those trials. Because life is hard. So, but in unity, in, in, in fellowship with the body of Christ and with the Holy Spirit, we, it, we can get through without it being so hard. It builds our faith and it builds faith for other people, Right? And so this is a, a fairly theological argument, right, that James kind of points out that, that, that God does not give tests and trials. And so if anybody's like, well, God's just, you know, He's, he's cursing me or he's, you know, he's giving me this hard time so I'll learn something, James clearly says that's not right. And so it, so it helps us to, to be be people who can help teach other people, right? As, as believers who, who want to be, who want to strive and learn and grow in our relationship with God, it's easier to, you know, like, well, I don't, I don't go to church because there's a bunch of, you know, people who say things that aren't right and things that aren't good. You know, God is, God just has a bunch of people there who, you know, argue and fight. 
That's not from God. That's the, that's the, the evil one, right, that has enticed. And so this idea of enticing, right, it's, it's like the idea of fishing. Anybody fish here? Anybody fish? All right, not many apparently. I mean, I like fishing. But so we, 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 we know when you go fishing, right, you put a worm or bait on a hook, right, and you put it out there and you wait. And that fish sees it, right? The fish sees that bait, that, that worm, and it's enticed, right? If the fish is smart enough, it won't bite your hook. You know, anybody like gone fishing and you're like, wow, I didn't get a single bite because maybe those fish were smarter. You know, you just had smart fish that day. But other times, right, they see that worm and they just get enticed. It's just like the, the sin and the evil in the world, right, that easily gets into our lives and easily gets into our churches. It's just there. You know, we, we know we should be over here with our school, right, with our, with our body, with our, with our family. But that thing just looks so good over there because we're enticed. And when, 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 when desire conceives and gives birth to sin, right, that fish goes and grabs that hook. And then that's when the devil starts reeling in, right, and it gives birth to death. Because we know if you're going fishing, right, that f- you catch that fish, it's probably going to die. And you're going to eat it. It's going to be good. But, right, that's, that's what James is talking about here. There's, the, there's that, that, that like, oh, that looks nice. You know, the whole grass is greener on the other side. And I know, you know, especially like in, in the church setting, right, and I know a lot of the people who may have been here went to a different church, right? The grass is greener on the other side. Isn't the grass the same everywhere? Aren't we all believers? Isn't this all the body of Christ, whether it's this building or that building? The grass is the same green everywhere. But your preferences may have gotten in the way, and you say, oh, oh, you're enticed. You're enticed by by colors. You're enticed by lights. You're enticed by music. You're enticed by certain things, which those things might not be bad. But you're enticed to break away instead of staying connected, staying Staying where God has planted you, maybe. So we, we don't want to be like that fish, that fish who bites that, that thing that looks, looks fun, looks interesting, right? We want to stay planted where God has, has put us. And if, if, if people, were, people have left for good reasons and God has moved them there, there still, still could be that, that hurt. So we want to understand that the hard times are not from God, and, and so just like, just like that, that, that worm, right, that fish is not from God, it's the world. And so, um, just like I said about the phase two, right, I have heard other people say that there are other prophecies and other um, visions from God, words of God that have been spoken over this church. I don't know them, um, which... That's okay. But let me, let me um, bring you into a prophecy that has been spoken over my life. I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, long before I met any of you, right? Besides my family, obviously. But um, there was a, a minister from England who visited our church long, long ago, and he, he was there. He was doing this, like, camp meeting kind of thing, and and we were studying about the culture, and he was teaching about it. He was, a, he was like a really short old man. Um, he's passed away since, right? And um, 
But yeah, he, that British accent and everything, he's like fired up and everything. And so he's talking about changing the culture and what it means to change the culture and why, we, why the culture is, is messed up and stuff like that. And then so later on, after it was over, he said, that's you. He said, I'm the one who's supposed to help bring a change in the culture. And I was like, wait, you mean the whole message was like for me? He's like, yeah, the whole message was just for you. And I was like, oh, all right. So I want to ask you, do you want to help change the culture with me? Do you want New Beginnings to be a place of culture change? Do you want New Beginnings to be a place where people, people find repentance, where, people, where the church grows, where, where people come back to church, where people are, have a desire for God, where a town is changed toward God, where a nation is changed toward God? I'm not saying I'm any kind of crazy, amazing person. The Holy Spirit is crazy and amazing and big, you know. You know, the Holy Spirit is much bigger than me, right? And I, I mean, Robin and I, a lot of times, we, we like veggie tales. And so, you know, anybody ever heard the song, God is Bigger Than the Boogeyman? I like to sing that a whole lot because the boogeyman is the devil. The boogeyman is terrible. The boogeyman is scary. But you know what? God is bigger. God is bigger than the boogeyman. God is bigger than any problem. God is bigger. God is bigger, period right? So VeggieTales got it right, and, and so it's fun to, fun to sing that and fun to talk about that, because whatever the problem is, God is bigger. God is bigger. And so that's why whatever the prophecies, whatever, whatever the Lord has said about this church and about me and about each one of you, God is bigger. Like, wow, that's, that's big. God is bigger. Do you believe God is big enough to do anything? God is bigger. God is big. And so James talks about that, right? As, as we, every good and perfect gift is from above. So if God is bigger, God is perfect, and He gives good gifts to His kids, right? We can rely on Him. We can focus on Him. And then the second thing is, as, as we keep going, it says, listening is greater than speaking. And I believe that's what He talks about in this next section of James. So James 19 my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get ang become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness, righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of it. All moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And so remember, James is not talking to unbelievers, right? He's talking to the 12 tribes who are scattered. He's talking to believers who are not currently with him, right? People who aren't currently next to him um, in Jerusalem. He says, remember, get rid of the filth. Because that, the idea that, well, here in America, you know, the you know, in the past couple of years, the church has been going, going down, and there's a lot of problems in the church. And that's true. But James was a, lot a long time ago, and there were a lot of problems in the church then, too, because we're all people, and we all struggle. We all get enticed by that worm, just like that fish, right? Because, you know, we're not always the smartest, but that's why we need wisdom, right? That's why we need the wisdom that, that only comes from God. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. And so this, this section right here, he's talking a lot about what that wisdom looks like. And so I found that he is not 
he's not really going into something totally different. And I, I like how Bibles uh, make, make sections, right? And so, so this is a different section. But when James wrote this letter, he didn't have sections. He just wrote it, right? It was a letter. People just read the whole thing. And so he's referring back to that wisdom. So what is the wisdom that God gives us? And I, I find there's three things that wisdom gives us. Be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And so when you look at that, you're like, oh, that's what, that's what the wisdom that God is, is giving people is? Quick to listen. And what are we listening to? Are we listening to the world? No. We're listening to the Word of God. We're listening to the Holy Spirit. We're listening to godly mentors, people in our lives that, that have been there, people who um, know more than us, because there's somebody, there's always somebody who knows more than us, right? No matter how old or young we are, we can always learn from somebody. And it's also listening to those people who've been hurt, hurting people, because if we just jump in and we say things before listening to somebody who's hurting, we're never going to be able to help them. Be quick to listen. Second thing is slow to speak. We're often uh, quick to speak, right? I, I, know, I know in my life, and maybe other husbands, um, Robin comes and she, she like says something, she's like upset about something. As soon as she like starts saying something, I'm like fixing it for her, and she's like, you didn't even hear what I was saying. That's not the problem, right? I don't know if any other husbands feel like that, but like as, as, as men, we like to fix things, right? We, we, we like to just, okay, well, let, let's, let's not let, like complain or let's not talk about the problem. Let's just fix it, right? But how, how, how many of us know women like to talk about the problem and explain it, right? So we need to be slow to speak sometimes. And that's not just in marriages, but that's everywhere, right? If we're too quick to listen to what the problem is or too quick to listen to what God is saying, how to fix things, how to change things, we're going to miss it. We're just going to be like floundering about, and it, we're not really going to be helping anything. We're just going to be causing more problems and then slow to get angry. And he goes on to say that anger does not, is not the righteousness, righteous life that God wants, right? Because there's a, there's a righteous anger that we see, you know, in Jesus and in other, other um, apostles that, that, you know, righteous anger against sin. You know, sin is wrong. We need to stand against it. And that can be an anger, right? But he's talking more about an anger when you're driving and that guy cuts you off and words come out, right? Sometimes, right? Slow to get angry because that's not the righteous life that God wants, God doesn't want us to jump to conclusions. God doesn't want us to jump down people's throats and, and really cause more division. He wants us to listen and then, be, and then slowly speak what God is telling us, what the, what the Bible is telling us, and really be the ones with that wisdom and understanding, that direction, because people are looking for direction all over, right? But if we're, if we're running around shouting and causing anger and more strife, sometimes we can, we can miss it. So the third thing, um, we're going to finish this chapter. Third thing is do what it says. And if you've read James, this is probably the most common parts of James. Verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's good, right? Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looked in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But a man who looks 
intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do, um, do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself righteous, or um, excuse me, religious, and yet does not keep tight reins on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless, is this, look to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Mm. Do what it says. He probably could have just stopped there. I mean, like, the Bible tells you a lot of things to do. Do what it says. And so remember, James is talking to the church. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the 12 tribes who have been scattered. And so he, he points out two types of believers, two kinds of believers. And I find that the first one is those who are deceived and those who are faithful. Those who are deceived only listen to the Word, right? And, and so it's not saying they're not believers, but they're deceived. They only listen to the Word. They don't do what it says. So they still are following the way of Christ as like going to church, maybe reading, maybe they read their Bible every day. Maybe they pray every day, right? They have that fellowship with God. They have that connection with God. Maybe they have the wisdom that came from God, but they don't do what it says. They have heard and they have not acted. And that's a, that's a, that's a believer who's deceived. Because remember, he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking to the church. And then those who are faithful, right? They hear and they do. They have feet to their faith, right? They, they believe God is doing something. He said something. He told us to do something, so we're going to do it. Whatever it says, we do what it says. Those who, those who are faithful followers, faithful believers of God, those, those are the two kinds of believers that he kind of points out here. And he, he illustrates this with the, with the idea of a man in a mirror, right? So, so he says if you, essentially, essentially he's saying, okay, so you go to church on Sundays, you go to church on Wednesdays, maybe you go to a Bible study on Fridays, and, and you read your Bible every day. Okay, but so you're like a man who, who looks in a mirror, he's like doing their hair, you know, like, oh, okay, I look good now. And then as soon as you walk away, you're like, wait, did I have a beard? I forgot, right? So if you merely listen to the Word, you don't do it. You don't practice um, what the Bible has said. You're deceiving yourself, right? You have to do what it says. And then James goes into religion. And I know a lot of, a lot of churches, a lot of people in, in Christian circles kind of avoid the word religion because I feel like the word religion has been tainted a lot. And whatever the reason, James is saying religion because that's we, a belief in God is we are Christians and that is the religion we are in. There are false religions, but this is the religion we're in. And he goes in to say like, okay, so, so there are so many things in the Bible that that have been spoken, you know, like um, commands and things like that. But what is, but James points out one simple practical one. What is good relig prayer religion that God accepts to take care of widows and orphans? A practical way 
to help people where you are, right? Instead of like, well, okay, look through it and figure out all the different commands and do all of them, yes, you, sh- you should be following all of the commands that you find in the Bible and what you're learning, grow in that. But he says, at least take care of the widows and the orphans. And so I looked it up. In America last year, uh, actually, I guess 2017, so two years ago now, there were 450,000 kids in foster care. So in America, there were 450,000 kids who were orphaned, essentially, right? And then uh, a few years before that, it may have gone down since, but the poll I found was in 2013, there were 390,000 churches in America. All right, so there were more orphaned or foster care kids in America than there were churches. However, each church on average has 75 people. Do you know how, you know how many people that is who, who regularly go to church on a Sunday? I had to use a calculator because I didn't know. Well, it's 29,250,000 people in America, go to church on a regular basis. How many of them are doing what it says? How many of them are deceived? And so I was watching a video about James and, and the, the, the pastor on the video. He said, why are there so many people in foster care, so many kids? If we're commanded to take care of the widows and orphans, why are there so many widows and orphans that are being left and forgotten? James is making it fairly clear, hey, if there's people who need help, and I'm not saying everybody needs to have, a, have, a, have a, adopted a, a child or stuff like that, but there's ways we can help. There's ways we can do things, right? And I know, I know um, the, the, not Good Samaritan, uh, uh, Good Shepherd. Good Shepherd is one of the ones that we as a church do, right? It's something that, that helps the widows and helps the orphans, right? But is there more we can do? Can we, can we be like, hey, can we give you extra? Can we do something? I was called by them, I think it was last week or the week before, and they were looking for people to help in their soup kitchen on a Monday. Is it Monday night? They, they give out food. And they said our church in the past helped give out, um, you know, like actually serve the food. And I was like, oh, yeah. Let me, let me find out if people are able to do that and interested because there's always room for us to keep growing in our helping right? Especially the widows and the orphans, just like what he's saying, because it's a simple, practical kind of way that we can do that. So I believe we must be intentional, not just understanding and learning the Word, but doing it. Do what it says, because we don't want to be the ones who are deceived. We don't want to be the ones who are, you know, sitting in church. I mean, that's, that's a huge number, 29 million people. We don't want to be one of those 29 million people who simply sit in a church and then show up the next Sunday and then show up the next Sunday, and show up the next Sunday and never do what it says. So James, so that's the end of chapter one of James. And so if you've read James, which I'm sure many of you have, it's, it's deep, it's heavy, right? James is like, he just calls people out, and I love it. I love that James, he, he hits on some theological, like deep stuff, and then he, then he hits on just practical what, what we need to do as believers. And as we go through the rest of James, we'll find that the whole book is like that. The whole book really strives to just throw out any, you know, shifting shadows, as he said, right? Just plain, simple, the Word of God. And so here at New Beginnings, um, we've, we've experienced troubles and trials, and I believe that all of James helps us grow in our faith and our perseverance 
and, and reconnecting to the hope that we will have a crown of life when we keep persevering, keep focused on what God has promised, keep, keep striving for those, for those dreams and those goals that God desires for us. Um, if you'd close your eyes and the band want to come up real quick, whoever's going to play. All right, so close your eyes. Imagine this, okay? Imagine a place of peace in God's presence. <clears throat> Imagine a place where trials come, but we hold fast together in faith and in unity. Imagine a place for people to come and feel safe where they can express themselves and find forgiveness. Imagine a place where people hear and obey the Word of God with excitement and passion. Imagine a place that cares for people who are in need spiritually and physically. Imagine a place, imagine that place is this place, New Beginnings. It's a church set apart for new beginnings in people's lives. And that includes each one of us. Imagine a place being filled, imagine this place being filled with people praising and finding forgiveness, peace, hope, and restoration. And imagine that's our homecoming service. All right, open your eyes. Is that a place you want? Do you want this place to be that? A place of hope, peace, joy, restoration, forgiveness. I believe it's up to us. I'm going to end with a, with a quote again from St. Augustine. He said, Pray as though everything depends on God, but work as though everything depends on us. We must do something. We can't just listen to the Word. We can't just pray. We've got to work. Faith with feet. That's what this whole month is about. Are you willing to put faith to your feet? So we're going we're gonna to end with some praise and worship and prayer. And so if you would like prayer, I'll pray with you. And also, what we're going to do is for the homecoming service, I'm going to send out postcards inviting people who were part of this church in the past. I have a list of people I'm going to send out to who haven't been here for maybe 10 years. I don't know. It's, a, it's an old list. But if you feel strongly the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart someone who you're like, oh, this person, I feel like would really, I would really love for them to come back. Whether, whether it's because you know, there's, it made you sad that they left or whether you feel like that person needs some restoration and some peace. There's cards over there. If you want to fill it out and kind of give a little personal message of, hey, I'd love to see you. No commitment. You don't have to come back the following Sunday. But if you would just join us for the special service, you could do that. Because I believe sometimes a personal message is going to be more beneficial than just me writing something to people. All right, so I'm going to close in prayer, and then if you would like prayer, you can come up or go over there. Lord Jesus, we thank you 
thank you so much for your word. We thank you that, that you are good, Father God, that you are great, Lord God. All perfect, good and perfect things come from you, Father God. We know that, that you are the God of peace and joy, and we have faith in you, Lord God. Help us to do what your word says, Lord God. Help us to hide your word in our hearts and write it on our doorposts and on our foreheads, Father God. So we never forget what we're supposed to do, Lord God, not just for information, but for transformation, Father God. We want to transform this church. We want to transform our homes. We want to transform our community, Lord God. We want to transform this country and this world, Lord God, for you. Because you are bigger than this world, Lord God. You hold the world. You hold all the problems in your hand. We trust in you. We trust that you are our healer. You are our deliverer. And you lead us and guide us everywhere we go, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.